Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up. Those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I guess we're on that mic. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad that Philip got those twenty calls. I, I suffer the pangs of guilt whenever we have these fundraising marathons because I'm lousy at it. Next week, I think I'll use、uh, one of my books if that's okay. I have to find out about that. This week, I do not have a special premium. For you next Tuesday, I will have such a thing.、Uh, this week, I have just the the regular,、uh, you know, the goodies, the bumper stickers, and the KPFA T-shirt for twenty five bucks. And it says here to thank the food donors. Oh my gosh, Flying Disc Ranch, Numi Organic Tea, Semi Freddies, Pea Berries Coffee and Tea Catered Production. Oh, I love all this good stuff. Please call into KPFA, folks, and give us your hard-earned cash. I'm going to skip to the end of the well. At the end of the program, I'll ask you again.、Uh, as I say, I'm not very good at the hard sell. Next next week, I I think I'll try something new. Stand on my head, you know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Once we used we used to offer dates, but I don't I don't think I qualify that anymore. I don't think that would do it. Today is the Chinese New Year, my friends. Yes, this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and it's Tuesday, January twenty seventh, two thousand and nine. And I guess it was yesterday. Yes, the Chinese New Year has begun. Their last year was their year of the rat. We know who that was. Today, let's see. I'm looking here. It's the ox. The year of the ox. The ox is in the ditch. We used to say the ox is in the dish, ditch, ditch. I think, I think that's not the case. I think things look better on the whole. Yes, we must not make perfection the enemy of the good. Some good stuff is getting done.、Uh, most of all. We're getting all kinds of glorious support from KPFA listeners.、Uh, I am so grateful to so many of you,、uh, especially. Well, I, I've still got a pile of letters at home, and I, I really need to get back to some of you.、Um, talk about guilt. <laughs> you know, I wanted to thank Neil Rhodes in Bernal Heights. Oh, and Chloe, and so many other people. There's this. Wonderful woman, she does portraits of elders. She wants to paint my portrait nude. I think I'll try it. Yes, I have got so much stuff 
on my desk. So many things in my little notebook here. And one of the rules of radio, you know, is to stay focused. Stick to your topic, you know. Don't go wandering off. And, of course, that's uh, something I have never been able to do. Free association is my downfall. Today, I, I got up and I thought, well, I've got to do something about that program last night on Oppenheimer. I've written an essay on that from years ago. Maybe I'll save that for next Tuesday. It's in a collection of mine. You know, uh, you remember J. Robert Oppenheimer, the guy who said, I am become death and the destroyer of worlds. Check it out. It's on PBS TV, cable TV, uh, American Experience, it's called, yes. And uh, it is, of course, the great American tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but every time I see pieces on Oppenheimer, I, I am moved uh, to feel his pain, but... Uh, I often wondered, uh, you know, when he was working on the atomic bomb, did he think he was inventing penicillin? What the hell did he think he was doing? Anyway, check that out. Uh, the other thing on my list here was, oh, the Brontes and Thomas Hardy. The uh, BBC has come up with, uh, let's see, Thomas Hardy's test of the D'Urbervilles. Any resemblance that this production has to the novel is purely coincidental. Wuthering Heights was even worse. It's a two-part serial on the BBC, and I watched every minute of it, and there was some terrific scenery, and the verisimilitude, the, the moors and all that good stuff, was awesome. But any resemblance, uh, the script, well, they used the same names. <laughs> Never mind. I suppose... Uh, if it leads anyone to go and look at the original text, then I guess it's worth it, okay? But I am appalled at these uh, script writers, how they think they can get away with um, slaughtering these masterpieces. Uh, my younger son, I remember, always used to say to me, Mother, the book is still on the shelf. This is true, I remember having a conniption fit years ago. It was a production of um, Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre a movie. It was uh, Zeffirelli. You remember the great stage designer, Zeffirelli. Anyway, his uh, production of Jane Eyre was something else. Once again, beautiful, beautiful scenery and uh, complete, uh, complete misreading of the text. Uh, anyway, uh, I just thought that today I would goof off and continue maybe with my uh, non-stop love affair with Brother Barack Obama. <laughs> I, I, I know so many people I know keep calling me and saying, Oh, you wait and see. You wait for the other shoe to drop. I said, No, no, no. It's George Bush who's waiting for the shoes. I was watching George for a minute. George W. Bush on the telly last night. In the inauguration, uh, you know, all that um, uh, ceremonial junk. And George was looking around furtively, waiting for someone to throw another shoe at him, I think. Uh, what did the New Yorker call him? Feckless. 
I thought he looked like a, a furtive or ferret person. Um, absolutely terrified. Uh, Barack, I think, is another story. I keep thinking of that song. What is it? I saw a man. He danced with his wife from Chicago. Yes, Michelle is from Chicago. The two of them were just giddy um, after the inauguration. He was so tired, he just kept kept kind of falling into her. They were dancing at one of the inauguration balls, and uh, he did kiss his wife a lot. He was. They were dancing, and she had on that beautiful white gown. And the next day, uh, some of the other radio stations talked a lot about uh, whether or not, you know... <laughs> They should have been quite that uh, romantic in public. There was a lot of discussion about what is or is not proper. Uh, you know, how some people think it's wrong to kiss in the street and they went over all that ground. Uh, I guess I'm not worried about displays of affection. I kind of think we can handle that. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's going to hurt us at this point uh, after what we've been through, uh, especially if you look at the media, turn it on and just see these gouts of blood. Never mind. Barack Obama is a renaissance man, as Gore Vidal said the other day. Americans are stunned to be confronted with something they're unaccustomed to, an educated man. <laughs> uh, Gore Vidal mentioned that uh, the uh, last administration had wrecked the country and would take at least a generation, he said, to uh, put things back in shape, even if uh, it were possible to do that. Uh, I made a note here. Oh, shoot. I don't want to go on listing all these horrors. Uh, <coughs> but during the eight years of the second uh, President Bush, Bush the second, uh, the unemployment rate went from 4.2% to 7.2% and climbing consumer confidence dropped to an all-time low. Budget surplus of $200 billion became a deficit of that plus a trillion. More than a million families fell into poverty. The ranks of those without health insurance rose by 6 million. Fruits of the nation's economic growth went almost entirely to the rich. Family incomes in the middle and below declined. And on and on and on and on and on. Uh, let's see. Check talk of the town in the New Yorker. Uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful piece in the issue. It's not the wonderful new issue. The new issue has a portrait of Barack Obama. And uh, he's wearing a wig, the 18th century style white wig of George Washington and, uh, you know, of our forefathers. It's a terrific cover. But this other issue of the New Yorker, it's the one for January 19th, is the one in Talk of the Town. Uh, uh, they said, uh, it says here, this is Heinrich Hertzberg, the political writer, wonderful guy. He says... Uh, you can fool some of the people all of the time. He says, we now know how many some is. 27%. That's the proportion of Americans who, according to CNN, cling to the belief that George W. Bush has done a good job. 
Anyway, he goes on to discuss the disastrous record. We know all this. Uh, deja vu all over again. Uh, in any case, I just thought that for today, mainly to cheer myself up because I'm uh, still kind of, what is that, kind of worried about the state of affairs. I thought it would be fun because it's um, uh, marathon time to read a little bit more of uh, Barack Obama's autobiography. He has so many wonderful things to say. Last time I was reading about his trip to see the play, uh, it was last Thursday morning I was reading about his visit to Entosaki Shange's play for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. A woman, a uh, friend of his, he was working with her as a community organizer in Chicago. She took him to the play and seems like Barack got it, you know. He got this feminist uh, point of view. Uh, anyway, I just want to read you this little bit about uh, how he feels about things. His wife said at some point back in 1992 she wasn't sure Barack could handle the brutality of politics. But here he is uh, talking, let's see, this is an afterword in the uh, Dreams from My Father book. It's added on later under the audacity of hope, yes. He writes, my wife will tell you that by nature I'm not somebody who gets real worked up about things. When I see Ann Coulter or Sean Hannity baying across the television screen, I find it hard to take them seriously. I assume that they must be saying what they do, just primarily, you know, to boost book sales or their ratings. Although I do wonder who would spend their precious evenings with such sourpusses. Democrats rush up to me at events and insist that we live in the worst of political times and that a creeping fascism is closing its grip around our throats. I may mention the internment of Japanese Americans under FDR, the Alien and Sedition Acts under John Adams, or a hundred years of lynching under several dozen administrations. <laughs> uh, it might have been, yes, it, those, those situations were possibly worse than the situation today. I suggest that we all take a deep breath. <laughs> Brother Barack Obama goes on to discuss this uh, best of times, worst of times understanding that he has. Uh, he goes on to write, When people at dinner parties ask me how I can possibly operate in the current political environment with all the negative campaigning and personal attacks, I may mention Nelson Mandela, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, or some guy in a Chinese or Egyptian prison somewhere. In truth, being called names is not such a bad deal. I will repeat that. Uh, our president, uh, Barack uh, Hussein Obama, says, writes, In truth, being called names is not such a bad deal. He goes on to say, Still, I am not immune to distress like most Americans. I find it hard to shake the feeling these days 
that our democracy has gone seriously awry. It's not simply that a gap exists between our professed ideals as a nation and the reality we witness every day. In one form or another, that gap has existed since America's birth. Wars have been fought, laws passed, systems reformed, unions organized, protests staged to bring promise and practice into closer alignment. No, what's troubling is the gap between the magnitude of our challenges and the smallness of our politics. The ease with which we are distracted by the petty and trivial. Our chronic avoidance of tough decisions. Our seeming inability to build a working consensus to tackle any big problem. We know that global competition, not to mention any genuine commitment to the values of equal opportunity and upward mobility, requires us to revamp our educational system from top to bottom, replenish our teaching core, buckle down on math and science instruction, rescue inner-city kids from illiteracy, yet our debate on education seems stuck between those who want to dismantle the public school system and those who would defend an indefensible status quo. Between those who say money makes no difference in education and those who want more money without any demonstration that it will be put to good use. We know that our health care system is broken, wildly expensive, terribly inefficient, poorly adapted to an economy no longer built on lifetime employment, a system that exposes hard-working Americans to chronic insecurity and possible destitution. But year after year, ideology and political gamesmanship result in inaction. <laughs> Except for 2003 when we got a prescription drug bill that somehow managed to combine the worst aspects of the public and private sectors. Price gouging and bureaucratic confusion. Gaps in coverage and an eye-popping bill for taxpayers, right? My footnote here, in my own life, yes, I wrote, Getting old is not for sissies. I gave up on the the uh, prescription drug bill. Uh, oh, oh what, a, what a mess. I don't know. Bureaucrats do seem to have a real talent for sadistic... Um, is the word uh, red tape is choking us with that stuff uh, Barack goes on to say that we know that the battle against international terrorism is at once an armed struggle and a contest of ideas that our long term security depends on both a judicious projection of military power and increased cooperation with other nations and that addressing the problems of global poverty and failed states is vital. Okay, he says it's not just a matter of charity, but follow most of our foreign policy debates. And you might believe that we have only two choices, belligerence or isolationism. We think of faith as a source of comfort and understanding but find our expressions of faith sowing division. 
We believe ourselves to be a tolerant people, even as racial, religious, and cultural tensions roil the landscape. Instead of resolving these tensions or mediating these conflicts, our policy, our politics, our politics fans them, exploits them, and drives us further apart. My footnote here is, there seems to be some kind of, I don't know what to call it, uh, it's um, an attitudinal stance. We have this, uh, what is that, adversarial relationship to everything around us. I have never been uh, in a time when there was so much just adversarial feeling. Everybody I know uh, starts, uh, the first thing they do is decide who to blame they're very busy hating the haters. They're just full of anger. They don't know where to put this anger. <laughs> I think we know where to put it. Uh, anyway, Barak goes on to say, Privately, those of us in government will acknowledge this gap between the politics we have and the politics we need. Certainly, Democrats aren't happy with the current situation. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say that the winner-take-all elections, uh, this is the problem. Uh, wouldn't that be nice, folks? Wouldn't it be nice to have uh, some kind of real democracy? Get rid of the uh, electoral college, all that good stuff. Anyway, um he goes on, Barack goes on to say, thoughtful Republicans <laughs> shouldn't be too sanguine, though, for if the Democrats have, if the Democrats have had trouble winning, it appears that the Republicans, uh, who won elections on the basis of pledges that uh, often defied reality, that is, tax cuts without service cuts, privatization of social security, no change in benefits, war without sacrifice, uh, Yes, it appears, he says, that the Republicans cannot govern. There you go, Barack. <laughs> Let's face it, folks. They couldn't do the job. Uh, I didn't think so much a written exam would have been appropriate for the last administration. Uh, I would say just, uh, what do you call that? Uh, uh, an acknowledgement. Uh, I, I always wondered what George Bush would say if someone asked him for his job description. His dad, I think, kind of got to be president and then retired. Uh, George Herbert Bush, you know. It's called, I've made my goal. I'm elected prayers. That's my, uh, what is it? That's my crowning glory. And then he went to Kenny Bonkport and retired. <laughs> anyway, I don't think he thought of the task. Uh, anyway, Barack goes on to say, publicly it's difficult to find much soul-searching or introspection on either side of the political divide. Uh, or even the slightest admission of responsibility for gridlock. What we hear instead, not only in campaigns, but on editorial pages, on book stands, or in the ever-expanding blog universe are deflections of criticism and assignments of blame. Depending on your tastes, 
Our condition is the natural result of radical conservatism or perverse liberalism. Okay. Hmm, Tom DeLay or Nancy Pelosi, big oil or greedy trial lawyers, religious zealots or gay activists, Fox News, Fox News or the New York Times. <laughs> Just how well these stories are told, the subtlety of the arguments and the quality of the evidence will vary by author. And I won't deny my preference for the story the Democrats tell, nor my belief that the arguments of liberals are more often grounded in reason and fact. In distilled form, though, the explanations of both the right and the left have become mirror images of each other. They are stories of conspiracy, of America being hijacked by an evil cabal. Yes. goes on at length about the agitprop. You know how that is. Uh, like all good conspiracy theories, writes Barack, both tales contain just enough truth to satisfy those predisposed to believe in them without admitting any contradictions that might shake up those assumptions. Their purpose is not to persuade the other side, but to keep their bases agitated and assured of the rightness of their respective causes, and lure just enough new adherents to beat the other side into submission. Of course, there is another story to be told by the millions of Americans who go about their business every day, on the job, looking for work, starting businesses, helping kids, oh, helping the children with their homework, struggling with high gas bills, insufficient health insurance, and a pension that some bankruptcy court somewhere has rendered unenforceable, they are by turns hopeful and frightened about the future. Their lives are full of contradictions and ambiguities, and because politics seems to speak so little to what they are going through, because they understand that politics today is a business, not a mission, and what passes for debate is little more than spectacle. These people turn inward, away from the noise and rage and endless chatter. A government that truly represents these Americans, that truly serves these Americans, will require a different kind of politics. That politics will need to reflect our lives as they are actually lived. It won't be prepackaged, ready to pull off the shelf. It will have to be constructed from the best of our traditions. It will have to account for the darker aspects of our past. We will need to understand just how we got to this place, this land of warring factions and tribal hatreds. We will need to remind ourselves, despite all our differences, just how much we share. Common hopes, common dreams, a bond that will not break. It's so interesting to read Barack Obama. Written. This was written not so long ago, but before he 
was elected, and now he has a chance to carry this out. He's now caught in the hinge of history. Oh, as Gertrude Stein used to say, yes, she used to say, let me recite what history teaches. History teaches. Okay, folks, the numbers to call here. If you want to become a subscriber to KPFA, Pacifica Public Radio, and help us to keep uh, hope alive. <laughs> oh, my gosh, we've got one minute. 510-848-5732. That's 510-848-5732. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I won't be on Thursday morning. I'll be back Tuesday at this same time. The phone number here is 510-848-5732. Hey, KPFA. Remember, you can get all kinds of goodies. Uh, the people on the phones will tell you all these good things. I myself am going to get a new T-shirt. This has been Jennifer Stone. I read you some bits of Barack Obama's autobiography uh, dreams from my father stories of race and inheritance Answer phones in the upcoming fund drive January 27th through February 13th. You can fulfill your volunteer membership and get discounts on great KPFA produced premiums like CDs, DVDs, and KPFA t shirts. If members of your community group, labor union, and nonprofit volunteer,